Hello, everyone, and welcome to Level the Field Leadership. My name is Dr. Rachel Gallardo, and I am so very excited to have our guests for today for professional reasons and for personal reasons, but I will get to that in just a little bit. If this is your first episode that you've ever listened to, then I want to say welcome. If you're returning, then I want to say welcome back. Um, make sure new or returning that you do subscribe and, and um, comment so that way you can find out whenever new episodes are being delivered. I do try to have um, a new episode drop on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. So you can kind of pencil that in as your reminder for that day. Um, I really believe that as leaders, we can always get better and we can always improve. And so my hope is that the information we talk about on each episode helps you level the field of challenges you encounter while you're in the work environment, because I hope to give you the tools necessary to deal with some of those issues when they come up. You know, I believe that workplace burnout is very real and anything we can do to reduce burnout and fatigue in our leadership roles will have a positive impact on our team, will have a positive impact on us, positive impact at home. And it just it's a domino effect from there. So without further ado, let me introduce our guests. Um, Dr. Pat is an executive coach and international consultant focused on enhancing business results through exceptional leadership. He founded Gradient Coaching and Consulting as a resource for larger corporations and small companies, regardless of industry or geography. His clients have included energy, petroleum, airlines, commercial real estate, environmental services, financial institutions, healthcare, education, military, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Dr. Pat helps his clients create organizational cultures that enable their businesses to thrive. He's led large-scale change initiatives to re-energize companies, and he has facilitated transformations of companies to align with customer and environmental demands. Prior to establishing his coaching and consulting practice, Dr. Pat spent 25 years in Fortune 500 corporations, including Bank of America, Frito-Lay, The Limited, and Petroleum Organizations. And I have to say, despite all of those accomplishments, I, in my biased opinion, believe your biggest challenge was being my dissertation chair. <laughs> so I just, I, I want to say, number one, thank you for walking me through that journey. Um, and I just, I really appreciate the knowledge and, and the information you're going to share with us today. So very much welcome to the, to the show. Well, thanks, Dr. Rachel. And it was an absolute pleasure working with you to get you through your dissertation and and put the PhD behind your name. So always good to, to chat, always good to catch up and always good to have a great conversation with you. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And as my listeners know, I do like to base our conversation around scripture. So for today's episode, we're looking at 2 Corinthians 3.12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. So Dr. Pat, you have been in IO consulting, leadership development for a very, very long time. And as as a person that has been in this role for so long, how have you seen leadership evolve and change throughout the years? And, and where do you think we are today? And some things have stayed the same. Um, leadership, good leadership has, has been good leadership, continues to be good good leadership and will be good leadership in the, in the future. And really some of the changes have, have happened, some of the really notable changes have happened over the last few years during the COVID area era and all the the crazy things that were going on in the world around there and one of the really good things was that the the magnifying glass was really put on empathy and and that component of the leadership and we saw very clearly certainly within my practice within my clients but also more broadly that organizations who already had that had that had leaders 
that emphasize that empathy, that connection with people, that people, we often hear people are our greatest asset and then behaviors that don't align with that. But organizations who, who believe that and live that um, did better during the, the the downturn related to COVID and, and rebounded much more quickly where people were true leaders, whether they be executives or not, had that connection with their staff and understood that it, it would take something different to be successful during that time. It was not business as usual, but to some extent it was leadership as usual because they had been doing those great things for, for many, many years before that and built that level of trust and transparency and then again, you know, the magnifying glass just really illuminating that uh, that empathy component. So that was a, that's a really good thing that has happened mm-hmm. certainly lately. The kind of flip side of that is that that uh, leadership or the term leader seems to be a commodity, and and the impact of everyone deciding that they're a leader, which on the one hand is a really good thing because anybody can lead. It is not position specific. You don't have to be an executive. You don't have to be a manager. Right. You don't have to be a supervisor. But the the term leader and the concept of leadership seems to have gotten really watered down that everybody's a leader. So if you go out and look on LinkedIn and people's descriptions, you know, servant leader, authentic leader, so on and so on and so on. My question is, are you really? Um, because one of the components of leadership is if it's about you, it's not leadership, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because the um, the focus is on the people around you. If you're not, if you don't have followers, you're obviously not leading and you don't, sure. you don't get to decide if you're a leader. You don't get a vote on that, right? The people who are following you are the ones that get the vote on that. Mm-hmm. So this kind of, you know, what is leadership today? And true leadership, I think, is what it has always been, that that driving successful change, taking care of others, uplifting others, helping make the business more successful. But it's almost become a participation prize um, mm-hmm. that we put leader, you know, either before or after our names. And and to some extent, it raises the awareness, but it also just it, it kind of waters down what it really means to be a leader because it's a it's a difficult role. It's a difficult set of behaviors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it it reminds me of a quote, and I I believe it was Walter Payton. I can't remember for sure if it was him, but I'm pretty sure it was. And it said something to the effect of, um, "Whenever you're great." other people will tell you you're great. Like you don't, you don't need to be the one to say it to everybody else because everybody else will say, man, you're an amazing leader, an amazing running back, an amazing teacher, whatever, whatever the title is. Mm -hmm. And if, if we have to sit there and pump ourselves up, then how much are we really and truly doing? How, how effective are we really being? Yeah. And and I had to smile when you, uh, when you mentioned Walter, Walter Payton, um, one of the people I worked with at Frito-Lay played football in the Bears with him oh, wow. and, you know, just adored him, obviously as an athlete, he was a, he was a bit of a prankster as well. And so that just built that whole, 
you know, connection to him, plus the performance on the field that that he was able to do and the good person that he was. Um, And, and, you know, there sometimes, you know, you'll see C's, especially on hockey jerseys, uh, team captains, and, and they don't get that simply because of their skill on the ice. Um, They get that because they're actually leading and making things happen and, and, um, lifting other people up and, and challenging them to be better in their roles as well. Right. Right. So when we talk about these qualities that really great leaders have, what, you know, if you had to pick, you know, top three, what are, what are some key competencies um, that you see really effective leaders possessing? Well, then I'm not really good at math, so I'm going to probably give you more <laughs> than three. Um, we already talked about empathy. And so maybe we won't count that one. So that that ability to see beyond oneself and really connect, not not necessarily to solve the problem. You know, Rachel, what can I fix for you today? But it's Rachel, something's going on. What kind of mm-hmm. support do you need? Mm-hmm. So that that awareness of, of those around you. Um, so that's one kind of that vision, being able to see into the future around corners over the horizon. And that's really kind of changed as well, because the environment that we're living in is less predictable, much more uh, unstable. So having that gift of being able to see over the horizon where we're not sure if it's rocky or if it's wavy or if it's cloudy or 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 whatever um, is 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 a powerful tool to be able to to use, because then people know where you're headed and everybody can is uh, uh, used to live as you know i used to live in hawaii and we talked about being in the same canoe paddling in the same direction yeah hard to do without that vision um the the ability to lift others up to have that altruism um to say hey it's not all about me and oh by the way i'm i'm actually better if the people around me are stronger and smarter and better and then a, a really key one is humility i think um, again, if it's all about you, it's it's not leadership. Um, it's it's about you know you and your ego and, and, and getting things done. So if you can focus on others and lifting them up and being humble about it, the Walter Payton quote or the quote mm-hmm. about Walter Payton mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, makes a makes a big difference. And I think if you if you add or multiply or whatever all of those together, it really at the end of the day, is about the ability to drive positive change, bring others along with you. Mm-hmm. And that positive change is where is you are not a primary beneficiary of that change, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. as soon as it, as it becomes, I'm the primary beneficiary of all this change that I'm getting others to do, it's again, no longer leadership. Sure. So driving the change and it's not about you. Sure. You know, I read an article that talked about um, how people are becoming a lot less trusting of leaders. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is stemming from everything we went through with COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. On the backside of it, people are a lot less trusting of government officials. And then also, too, they feel like they've been misled from a media standpoint. And so the, the lack of trust in those two major entities are actually starting to bleed over into the workplace. Do you see that there are there are people that are really struggling with trusting their leaders, but then also the leader trusting their employees as well? 
And I think there are a number of different ways of coming at that. Number one is if they're not trusting you as a leader, back to my original thought, are you really leading? Have you been leading? Mm -hmm. Or have you been a leader in because you've decided that you're a leader and put that that uh, that adjective after your name, right? Sure. Right. Um, in, in some cases, I think certainly during the the COVID era, that a lot of what was going on was very logic based. Which for me, in the way that I think, absolutely perfect. Give me the data. I can, you know, I can look at that and make sense of it and uh, and make some decisions. And that's kind of how my brain operates. But what we found, even for, for data-driven people like me, during that COVID era, when there was so much unknown, when there was so much uncertainty, that really there had to be that emotional, that empathy before you got to the logic. And we didn't see that a lot in the media. We didn't see that a lot in governmental communications. We didn't see that a lot, certainly in, in a lot of organizations, um, that there wasn't that connection because people needed needed that the stability that was no longer there. They needed right. the, to be able to make sense of something that they've never encountered before. And, and what we found is that in situations where there's a lot of ambiguity, a lot of instability, a lot of unpredictability, that that emotional connection first makes a big difference that allows you to have a, then allows you to have a logical conversation. If you, if you try to go to the logic first, that's not what the recipient needs at that point in time, oftentimes. Right. Right, right. So meeting them where they are um, has has made a big difference. And again, the organizations and the leaders who have built that over the years tended to do much better and are not suffering from some of those challenges, transparency and trust and and so on that, that you mentioned before. Sure. So because it, it kind of goes back to basic Maslow, because if you connect with your employees and they feel safe and secure with you then you're able to then fulfill those upper layers of, you know, motivation and self-actualization, mm -hmm. you know, that, I mean, you can't, we can't be at their house and make sure that they're eating and sleeping and, and all of that, but we can help make sure that they feel as though um, they're in a safe environment to work, to make mistakes, to have honest conversations and dialogue, because only then can they, can they really and truly maximize their gifts and begin mm -hmm. to thrive. You mentioned, you know, we can't be in their houses making sure that they're eating and sleeping. I just watched right before I, I came on this with you, I was watching a, a colleague and friend of mine, Michelle Stowe, talk about, you know, the importance of self-care mm -hmm. as a leader and uh, and to be able to model that. And it's it's kind of the, the airplane model, right? Put your mask on first and that allows you to help others. Right. Uh, and over the last few years in my coaching practice, I've spent a lot of time on self-care and the importance of that. And, um, and again, you know, having the endurance and the strength to be able to continue to lead and be an executive and be a manager um, and, and how critically important it is to have that self-care. So 
if you are as a leader are modeling that in your organization, you don't have to be in people's homes. And if you're transparent about why it's so important for you and what it's been allowed you to do, um, then it's it's helpful as well. So um, my friend Michelle has is just released a white paper on you know some of the characteristics of she's focused on nonprofits, but some of the the characteristics of uh, of what makes a difference for leaders of nonprofits. So go out and take a look at that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that recommendation. Definitely. Um, so, I mean, with some of the stuff we've talked about, because this is not to say that leadership is all like warm and fuzzies. Like sometimes you just, you have to get down to it. There's a list of things that need to be accomplished. There's certain goals that have to be met, metrics that have to be met. And so it can be very easy to kind of get stuck in that very transactional component of leadership, check all of the boxes, go home for the day. But we also have to have that balance of the the more interpersonal relationships that we have with our team. Sometimes having difficult conversations, celebrating when it's time to celebrate, um, correcting when it's time to correct. And so how can how can a, an effective leader balance out both of these things? Like how do you how do you balance the what versus the how of being an effective leader? And I think to start, you know, I look at leadership as it's not about benevolence, right? It's about getting something done. Sure. It's about helping individuals and the organization achieve outstanding results. So that what and how, um, and leadership oftentimes fits more in the how side of the equation. The what tends to be your, your technical skills. The if you, if you look at your goals for the year and oftentimes what's measured on your performance appraisal, oftentimes it's the what. What did you sure. produce, right? Yeah. But there's a, a big component of how you got there. Anyone can achieve results short-term. But long-term sustainability has a huge how component. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's a multiplicative relationship between what and how. If you zero out either of those, then performance just falls apart. Sure. So you have to have your, your technical skills. And that's what most of us have gotten rewarded for as we started our career and got to the middle of our career and advanced in the organization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And hopefully at some point, either you had the aha or the organization's culture said that how you do things is critically important. I remember when I was at Frito-Lay um, that, you know, it was kind of results, 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 results. That was the focus, the what. Yeah. And a new president came in and said, okay, yes, results are critically important. But how we do that is equally as important. How we build relationships with our customers and our consumers is incredibly uh, important. And so we change the way that we measure performance. We change the way and how the how was rewarded and it became a, a stronger organization. So it's, it's not an either or, it's a yes and. Yes, you need the what but also to be a true leader and a, a good performer, whether you've chosen to lead or not, mm-hmm. the how is, a, is really a sustainability mm-hmm. um, and an end of the, of the equation. So it's uh, it, there. I, I don't think that you can separate them. Sure. And listener, if you're wondering, okay, how do I, I find out my how um, I would encourage you to um, do a 360 feedback 
because you can get some amazing information from people that report to you, people that are kind of shoulder to shoulder at your level, um, maybe include some customers depending upon your industry, and then also include um, people that you report to and have them all give you that data. Um, because if you're wondering what, what some of those gaps are and maybe why you're not able to accomplish some of the things on the, the to-do list that you're supposed to take care of, it could very well be because of some of those more interpersonal abilities. And a 360 is a, whew, be careful what you wish for mm-hmm. <laughs> if you go down that road because it can be really valuable. Um, but for some people, it can also be really challenging because it can blindside them. It could so, be a humbling experience. And if you yes. see it as a gift, regardless of the data that you get. And again, we go back to data, right? Yes. But if so, whoever's working with you to go through that data, if they connect with you on that emotional component first, where you need to be connected with, because you're going to get some data that may kind of, uh, you you may look at it and say, Ooh, I, I'm not so sure about this. Yes. And then our natural tendency with 360 or any other kind of assessments, we got to fix it. We got to fix it. We got to fix it. Well, maybe, maybe not. Right. Maybe one of your strengths is already compensating for that kind of blind um, side that you have. And, and even if it, if it isn't fully now that you know about it, it's no longer a blind spot. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, 360 man. They're just, they're amazing. So mm-hmm. I, um, I, I definitely recommend those. I, I'm a huge advocate for them. So, um, if you really want to grow in your leadership, that's definitely a good route to go. Um, so shifting gears just a little bit, because mm-hmm. depending upon the season that the organization is in, you know, every company kind of has busy seasons and slower seasons. Um, you know, if you look at a SWOT analysis, there could be any number of threats that happen that pop up at any time you know, regulations change, you know, anything can happen. And so sometimes the leader has to shift just a little bit to adapt to different situations that are going on. Um, For those leaders that maybe have had to shift over the last, let's say month, three months, um, what, what recommendations do you give to them? Because they're, they're having to adapt to a new environment and some of them might be feeling a little lost. So what do you, what do you advise them? I think there are a couple of different paths that we go, can go down here. One is, do you really need to adapt? Because powerful, effective leadership endures. It overcomes challenges. It overcomes changes in the environment. We saw it very clearly, again, during the COVID era. Um, organizations and individuals who have been doing leadership well kept doing it well. Yeah, did they adjust a little bit? Sure, probably so. Again, a little bit more emphasis on the on the connection and on the transparency and on the empathy piece. But for the most part, it, it, it they kept leading well and that made a huge difference. Now, um, certainly at, in, in, in some cases during crisis, you may lead differently, or you may need to behind the scenes kind of change up how you are reacting to the crisis so that it doesn't impact your leadership. But the the thing about that is, is uh, one of the assessments that I use the, is, is a Hogan assessment. Incredible leadership um, assessment gives gives wonderful insights. And one of the scales on that assessment is, um, you know, how reactive are you to the environment? 
And if you're the sky is falling and, and those kinds of things, yeah. you're modeling that that behavior is appropriate in your organization. On the other end, if you're as cool as a cucumber, you know, the water flowing off the duck's back, that can bring a sense of calm, but it can also bring a sense of, does this guy get it? Do they see that everything is falling down around us? Sure. So how do you balance that? And in a crisis situation, it may be simply, I'm going to manage and and lead the way that I always do, which is with transparency and trust and so on and so forth. But I need to recognize, hey, I, you know, things are so different. We've never encountered this before, but I'm going to model that sense of, of calm so that people on the team recognize that, yes, I know what's going on around us, but um, we don't need to panic because we've, we've deposited enough into the bank of skills and trust and experience that we can start withdrawing now and continue to be successful. Yeah. So yeah. in some, in some cases, you know, you really don't need to adjust a whole lot because good leadership is robust enough to, to handle most any situation, but also recognize that the people around you may have a very different, very different visceral reaction to what's going on and recognize that and then model that kind of calming, leading vision. Here's the way we're, we're going to go uh, behavior. Mm -hmm. And like you said before, if you take the time to really empathize with your team and understand where they're coming from, then whenever you are cool as a cucumber, you can explain to them like, look, I'm not I'm not being overly calm because I don't get it. I understand where you're coming from, but here's the plan of how we're going to navigate through this. And so you reestablish trust with that individual. You're being transparent with them. Um, and then the whole team can hopefully get on board and, and move in that direction. Despite all of the chaos that might be going on around them, you as a leader and your team can, can navigate those waters effectively. Absolutely. One of the things I talk about oftentimes in my executive coaching is connect the dots. It's perfectly clear in your mind, but most other people aren't tromping around in your mind. So right. again, that transparency piece, here's what, here's what's going on. Here's what we need to do. These are the reasons why we need to do that and why you're such an important part of the solution to the, the situation that we're in. Sure. Sure. And that requires really focusing on your team and focusing on the customers. And I think a lot of times when we talk about leadership development, it's very easy for us to focus on ourselves, which, you know, we should, we should be aware of it. But also if you're, if you're too internalized and you're too focused on who you are as a leader, then you completely miss everything going on around them. So um, how do you, you know, what, what suggestions do you have for people that maybe are really and truly trying to be good leaders, but they're too focused on themselves and they need to kind of turn that vision externally to their, their team and their customers. How do they make that shift? And again, I think this is a, another situation of yes. And right. That yes, you do need to focus on yourself as a leader that self-care that we talked about, the continuing to grow, the, the insights into who you are, how you lead the impact that you're having. I think that that is absolutely critically important. But again, if it's all about you, it's not leading at the end of the day, right? So the, the, the way that leaders make themselves 
super effective is to surround themselves with people who are smarter, more capable, have a better capacity than they do, but rally them to be greater than the sum of, of the parts. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, that you can do, and it, it sounds almost um, incorrect, is focus on the results, right? Again, we don't do leadership because we're being benevolent or because we want to be you know, friends with everybody. We lead in order to get something done. So what are the results that we're trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. How are they different from last year, last month, um, five years ago? What's the environment that we're living in today and how does that impact how we achieve results? Um, what, who brings what to the team that can we can think about things differently and how do we celebrate those differences versus, well, everyone needs to think the way that I'm thinking. Well, then what's the point of having a people other than you in the room right. if you want to, right. um, to have them think the same way? to welcome the questions and the challenges and um, and use that that difference to help help the team and every individual on the team and the organization be successful. And in doing that, that's where the recognition of you as a leader comes from, not you telling people you're the leader. So therefore, do what I tell you. That's not leadership. Right. That's not even management. That's poor. Yeah. That's micromanaging. Yeah. That's authoritarianism. Yes. <laughs> that's that's not okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you have to, if you have to micromanage, I worked for a micromanager for one year and it was the absolute worst, longest year of my life. Um, and so for me, one thing that I always ask on the rare occasions that I change jobs, I, I do inquire about what is your leadership style? How often do you prefer communication? Because, you know, whenever you're in that environment, you're very sensitive to it. Um, in any other situation. So if you are currently in a micromanaging situation um, or if you're looking for another position, I would, for any listener out there, I would definitely encourage you to ask during the interview if you get the opportunity, which you should, to meet with the person you'll be reporting to is ask them about their leadership style. Because the last thing you want is somebody micromanaging you or hovering over you or um, doing anything that's going to take away from your gifts and your abilities and your your ability to do your job. I mean, that they hired you. They should trust you to do your job. And I just, I don't understand micromanagers. I just, I don't get them. <laughs> yeah. And and you can ask about their leadership style in a very, uh, various different ways. One mm-hmm. is tell me about a time, the last time that somebody disagreed with you. Mm-hmm. Tell me about when, when you had an underperformer that um tell me about um um who's the smartest person on your team and if they say well of course it's me that tells you a lot yeah so yeah absolutely absolutely well we're kind of at the point in the show where i like to give um you a shameless plug so whatever it is that you want to talk about, as long as it's not illegal, um, <laughs> this is your your opportunity for um, you have the floor. So great. Well, thank you. I think I've got a few things to share. One is a, a model that I use. I call it the business of leadership. And it has really four components to it. We start with results, you know, the Covey concept of begin with the end in mind. What are you trying to achieve? 
and then work your way back to uh, employee engagement. You know, do you have people who are actually there for a reason other than the paycheck and what is your role in, in enhancing that? The culture of the organization, the personality, what's expected, what's permissible, culture is very powerful. Um, and then leadership. Leadership influences culture. Leadership influences engagement. Leadership influences results. And at the end of the day, kind of all roads lead to leadership. And that's why we're talking about this. And that's why you created this, this podcast, because it is so powerful and so important. So kind of remembering those components kind of makes it a bit easier to what are we trying to achieve? How can we get there? What are the various roads that we can go down to get there? So mm -hmm. leadership, culture, employee engagement and results. Two is there's a, a book that's just a little bit over a year old now. It's called The Secret Sauce for Leading Transform Transformational Change. An absolute um, wealth of information on how do you make change stick. And remember, uh, kind of my definition for leadership is driving that positive change where you're not the primary beneficiary. So The Secret Sauce is edited by uh, a colleague and friend of mine, Ian Ziskin, and I've got a couple of chapters in that book. Um, and uh, it's, a good, it's a good read. It's a good reference book, um, and I encourage you to, to grab that. Um, and then just, you know, Dr. Rachel, um, you know, the concept of level the leadership field. Anybody can be a leader. A leader does not belong on, does not depend on the box that you're you're in in the organizational chart. It doesn't depend on the position anybody can lead. So leveling that field, allowing everybody to lead, is is critically important. So let me kind of sum that up with: lead well, build the culture, and ignite your business results. Yeah, here, here. Yay. <laughs> Well, Dr. Pat, thank you so much for coming on today and downloading your your just your knowledge and your experience and just wealth of information. I have no doubt that this has helped people tremendously. Um, listener, I will have all of Dr. Pat's information as far as LinkedIn and his website, so you can reach out to him directly. Um, I promise you will not be disconnected if you are disappointed. I should say if you <laughs> connect with him, um, he's he's really poured into me for a very long time, and I have no doubt that he'll do the same for each of you. And again, if you liked what you heard, hit the subscribe button to receive new content. Um, you can follow me on Instagram as well at Level the Field Leadership. I do try to post positive and consistent content related to leadership out there. There's a lot of stuff out there that is really discouraging, so I try to be more. Um, a positive light in that world. Um, and remember, you are made to be a leader right where you are, wherever you are leading. The things we talked about today can help develop the roots of your leadership so you can weather any storm, take care of yourself, take care of your team. You can 1000% do this. And until next time.